0: Hey, what's up, everyone, and welcome back to Too Easy Tuesday on Burn Your Boats. Here with me, Matthew Lastalia, your host. Today I'm actually going to be paying a bit of homage to Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. as his uh, National Day of Remembrance and Celebration was yesterday. Um, on the outset, I, I will admittedly say that I do not know enough about the man's life. I don't know, like, when I think about all of these days that happen... Um, all of these days that we nationally commemorate uh, and, and we celebrate, I I'm trying to do a better job of of taking that time to dive a little bit more into the history and everything, um, and just to just to get to know them uh, better and get to know their stories and kind of the more intricate behind the scenes kind of stuff and not the not those typical um, wave tops. Although today uh, I'm not going to be diving. Uh, too much into his history, but a lot of, um, uh, tying in some very key, a very key part of some things that he said. There were two quotes, uh, that came up. And so really how this, how this started was I, Martin Luther King Jr. Day, uh, it came up and I was thinking about him a lot and, and I, I wanted to give him some, some dedicated time and focus. And so, uh, I was, I was doing, I, like, I started reading, um, the full transcript of his, uh, I Have a Dream speech, and so, that, I, I was reading that, and then I was, honestly, I was just scrolling through Facebook, and I saw a couple of my friends, uh, I saw, like, Mario Fox, um, who I had on the show last year, absolutely phenomenal guest, uh, I so say he had posted a quote from Martin Luther King Jr., and another really good friend of mine that I worked with about a year ago um, down here in Georgia, he had posted another quote. And both of them just tied in very well with uh, some of the research I've been doing recently uh, as it pertains to um, ethics, um, a- ethics as it relates to uh, Aristotle and, and his kind of mental dissection of what it means to be good and what it means to be ethical. In this book, the Nicomachean... I think that's how you say it. Nicomachean? Nicomachean? Nicomachean, Nicomachean, Nicomachean Ethics, I believe it is. But uh, a phenomenal... I'm, I'm doing one of the audiobooks for that right now, and it's absolutely great. And um, and then there's, there's just some of my historical uh, points on courage and things like that. But um, to the point, the first quote that I saw was that was posted by uh, Mario Fox was um, the ultimate measure of a man is not where he stands in moments of comfort and convenience, but where he stands at the times of challenge and controversy. And so that was a quote, uh, like I said, posted by Mario uh, that was from Martin Luther King Jr., Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And so that was... I read that after I'd spent a fair amount of Monday on the road uh, and I was listening to uh, the ethics by Aristotle and one of this part one of the parts I had specifically listened to was about courage. And it was interesting because I he breaks down five different types of courage and and kind of really he identifies what courage was in one of them and then the next four are what what courage is commonly confused with. And I felt like each time I was like, "Oh, you're leaving something off. Oh, you're leaving something off." But each time he took the next step, it was it was a little bit closer and a little bit closer. And, and, and honestly, he took kind of my understanding and uh, kind of honed it in. Which you know, go figure that I thought that I would be, you know, in at some point of excess of Aristotle. <laughs> uh, but it was it was really cool to kind of see the way that he he broke it down, and then also how it pertains to. Um, how it pertains to this specific quote. Uh, so the first type of courage that he talks about is actually the citizen-soldier. And so, and he, and he goes into great length about breaking this down and, and what actually, how the soldier is actually um, courageous and how, he's, how he demonstrates bravery and why that person is brave. And a lot of it, all of bravery, according to Aristotle, reverts back to uh, a striving towards nobility and a striving towards honor if you're if you're doing something for the sake of honor and for the sake of nobility then that's true bravery and if you're doing something that is noble or honorable but you're not doing it for that sake then it's less honorable um and it continues to kind of cascade down from so, uh, that, so, the, so the citizen soldier, somebody who volunteers to go out and risk life, limb, and eyesight in order to provide security, safety, uh, it, more uh, abundance and more goods and more, more prosperity for his people, that is the true mark of somebody who is uh, courageous and who is brave. Um, and when I first read that I was like that I feel I felt like the mark was wrong or something about the mark something about the aim or the target of this rubbed me the wrong way I guess you could say it just it didn't strike home and I'm like the the striving for honor is what makes something brave in my head it's not that's not striving for honor doesn't make you brave it's it's and, and and the thing that continued to throw me off was he kept saying that these people weren't afraid that they weren't, they're not scared because they acted in places where people are scared and they didn't run and they stayed there and they died in pursuit of fulfilling an honorable task and that is what connotates uh bravery and so i think there was a mixture there was the amalgamation of that really really um it threw me off because it just didn't seem right it didn't seem complete and uh it's like I said, it, to me it just felt like it missed the target so um but i'll get more into the the missing of the target here in a little bit but the the other kind the other types of bravery that he that he Goes into extreme detail about our uh, experience being displayed as as courage, and that is really about. Um, it, it's, again, this is the, these next four, starting with experience. It's experience, passion, sang, sanguinity, which I don't know if it's a word. I said it. He talks about being sanguine, so that's, I'm just gonna call sanguinity. sanguinity. Uh, for the sake of the the general premise of, of someone who is sanguine, <laughs> and, uh, and ignorance. Those are the four categories that he brings up as uh, commonly confused or misconstrued or misperceived as brave or courageous. Um, so experience as courage, what that is is saying that somebody who has done something a lot that other people are commonly afraid of, or commonly cower in front of, that person doing that a lot is brave. And so someone sees a person who is getting up on stage and is giving speech after speech after speech and isn't afraid to voice his opinion to people that hold, his, uh, that hold positions of power over him, um, or that can in- influence him or impact him negatively uh, his willingness to voice his opinion in front of those people is not uh, not swayed and they see him do this you see this person do it all the time um, and that's basically what what that is is not to me it's not courage and he didn't exactly word it this way but it's it's you've done it like so there's two ways to look at so you've done it and you've gone through the fear and so now that you've processed and you've gone through the fear each time it it loses its edge and you're not as afraid anymore and so then your pursuit and your further actions in it are actually not signs of bravery but a sign of uh, being acclimated to that type of environment Um, because there are other things just because you're brave you're quote unquote brave Going into a board meeting and, and giving a big presentation, or, or, or uh, getting up in front of five, six, seven thousand, thirty thousand people and giving a speech, um, doesn't mean that if somebody comes running at you with a sword or a gun in this day and age. <laughs> I'm, a lot of this is contextually in my head in uh, in ancient Greek times because it's <laughs> that's where a lot of the that's where the ethics were derived from that's when the ethics were derived so um, but yeah so that is not to say that you wouldn't cower run away and with your tail tucked between your legs um, you know there are different situations and so uh, again Iarsana was talking about bravery across the board and so and and going back to the premise of this it's what MLK was talking about Um, you know what do you do so it's uh, the person who has done this thing a thousand times um, that's that goes back to the moments of comfort and convenience. And now you've grown. It's not to take away the fact that you've taken action, you've gone out and you've grown and you've developed those skills and those strengths. That's amazing. It's just no longer brave. And it's okay. Something doesn't have to be brave to be good. It's just, it's a different category of thing now. Um, and so the next is passion. So a lot of times you'll see people act with a strong sensation of passion. And that can be misconstrued as bravery, because you would do things that you don't normally do. But passion, it's invoking, when Aristotle was talking about it, it's invoking this part of you that's no longer voluntary. You're, you're acting more in like your animalistic self, and it's, and it's like, you have to do this thing. And, it's, and so it's not... It, it's not on its own brave... It can help you to do brave things, but it's like, what do you do when the passion dies? Uh, do you continue to fight and strive and to show up when it's scary, when you don't have that fire burning anymore? Um, and so that's that's where passion can be misconstrued by itself as being brave when it's not actually bravery. Um, and now, being sanguine, sanguinity. <laughs> uh, that is. So that goes again to. Um, kind of like the experience, like if you are, and to, this goes kind of to the other part that I was thinking about experience earlier, but really this is about being sanguine. And so if you're doing something that scares most people, but it doesn't scare you, that doesn't make you brave. Um, if you grew up around a lot of people, again, in my head, I'm like trying to translate like if you were like, if you were around a bunch of lions, like for some reason in my head, but ancient Greeks hung out with lions. Uh, so if you uh, if you grew up in a really crap neighborhood where the the primary models of behavior are people that are selling drugs, and those are the people who are succeeding and, and you're used to seeing uh, a lot of internal uh, group strife and uh, and that just that type of um, hierarchy, and you're used to seeing like guns and weapons around, and 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 shootings and drive bys aren't necessarily a rarity to you. And obviously, it's not fun. But you're you've kind of grown accustomed to it. Or it's like it's something that you're familiar with, and so you're not you're you're kind of sanguine about it. Like, yeah, I know that's that's terrible. And this is what you do when it happens. Um, feeling that way in that situation doesn't make you brave. You're sanguine because again, it's not to say that if you were then put in front of a group of 15,000 people to talk about that experience that you'd be able to do it without a problem. It's very it's not necessarily that it's likely but it's um, to be considered that you you may fall f- short and fall flat on, in that regard be, and you may cower. Um, so being sanguine while may while the situation that you're in, is, you're used to it, you're familiar with it, um, and it's, and, and just, na- or naturally, it just doesn't scare you, and so, like, uh, for me, particularly, uh, skydiving, so I've never, uh, gone skydiving, but I have, I was airborne in the army for a long time, so that means we jumped at a, a relatively low altitude with static lines, so you, there was no ripcord to pull, you just f- fall out of the plane And then the cord that you're attached to, you fall for like four seconds, and it rips open your parachute, and then your backpack that has the parachute in it, and then you ride that to the ground, and and you fall the right way as to not break your legs. And so, to me, there was never... It wasn't the same kind of fear that I saw in other people, um, and that didn't make me brave. I was petrified at the time, and I still am to a certain extent about getting up in front of people and communicating, especially about things that I'm not necessarily passionate about. So that's still... I'm not brave necessarily in that regard. I'm brave when I do it and when I take the initiative to find ways to add that into my life. But jumping out of a plane for me wasn't brave. I was sanguine about it. It just it wasn't something that was like, oh my gosh, I'm so worried. Which you would think that it would be. And so because falling and, and something that is we are naturally inclined to be afraid of because it causes death. It results in death falling from high places. So we are naturally built in to be scared about it. And the fact that I was less scared or less nervous about it than other people, people could look at me and be like, oh my gosh, you're so brave. That's not the case. I was sanguine. So the last one's ignorance. And this was the part that I was like, oh, I'm so happy that he hit there because I kept writing notes as I was going through and I'm like, like, why are we not talking about uh, people that are just dumb like, or not even dumb, but ignorant is, is the best way to, to talk about it because it's, it's not that you're stupid. It's that you're not familiar with the threats that could be there. So he, talk, he goes into depth about this. I love the, the example that he gave because he talked about soldiers. He talked about soldiers who, an experienced soldier, actually that experience causing fear because that soldier is out there in, in the field and has gone through these battles and has seen battles won and lost but survived finds himself in another battle and he he finds himself he's outnumbered and that he's uh, outmaneuvered and he's weaponed and he's like i'm running because i know what happens here i know this results in death and i'm out um whereas the younger less experienced guy if he's out there leading a troop then his thought is like oh i'm strong i'm 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 super strong, and I know my guys are strong, and I, we're going to fight, and we're going to fight, and we're going to win. And then they die because they don't realize that they're outmaneuvered and out outgunned and, and thought and everything, outschemed, outstrategized. And so, according to Aristotle, this is what, one, of the pro, one of the areas where I had the problem with him, uh, was he called the person, the old soldier who ran... Cowardice through experience and he called the young ignorant soldier brave. Like there was he didn't look at ignorance in that way as necessarily being uh a false a false sense of courage. He said it can be, but in that sense, because the aim, the target was noble, then it was brave. And to me that's where I veered. That's where I veer. it is not that is not the case for me. It is to me that brave act what what made it noble, what made it honorable and so i really i like it. i dove into this i dove into like what what is the the meaning of nobility and it has to do with uh high morals and and aligning with principles, and I dove into morals and principles and what do these mean and, and there's there's a truism there's there's a uh, a sense of, of truth that is kind of the baseline of it and th- if you're if you're not analyzing the situation in a way that that makes sense for the most people that it goes to the kind of like the reasonable person standard like what's true for a reasonable person or for a reasonable group of people well apparently at the time, Aristotle. To, and to Aristotle, the reasonable person test would be that you fighting and dying for your land, for your treasure, for your country, for your people, uh, that is true. That is principled. That is highly moral. Um... And, and leaving when you realize that you're going to lose is cowardice. So I disagree. I think that knowing, going in, not being prepared, and not putting the right people in the situation to help identify your tactical position is a failure, right? So having ignorance lead the way is a failure in planning. Um, and like we've said before... Failing to plan is planning to fail. So you've already set your guys up for success because the people are too ignorant to acknowledge the situation. But when you put the person in the right situation, you put that experienced soldier leading from the front in that situation and he identifies that you're, everyone there is going to die and he makes a tactical retreat and he gets his people out of there, then that's cowardice. So what that it may be cowardice in that moment, Or it may be as... Like, you could attribute cowardice to it in that moment. However... What do you... What happens when you die that day and that army moves on to your country and your town and you died nobly and honorably and then they go rape, pillage, plunder everybody in every place in which you live because you died because you were too ignorant to plan an effective battle or to acknowledge that you were done. That you were outmaneuvered and... And because of that, then you died, and now all of your women are raped, and, and your children are enslaved, and all of your houses are burned down, and all of your treasure's gone. Good job, you're brave. Uh, no. So, find, there's bravery in making the decision and checking your pride at the door and, and acknowledging, like, hey, we got our butts kicked in planning, and we have the the... Ability to move our people out of harm's way to re reappropriate and re disposition our troops in such a way that we can we can manage a better defense and we can manage an offense and we can continue this fight for our country, for our lives, for our children, you know, and and for everything, and so. Again, that's where that's where I veer from Aristotle. So, so he has a great premise, and he's way better at this than I am. But there are some some things that I just I don't necessarily agree with him on. So, um, I think that when we when we are talking about these things, it's important to talk about the the consistencies. It's important for us to to acknowledge what our aim is because. When we can align our aim and our target to be the same, then that's when we can make foundational changes to the world around us for the better. Um, and it's it's important to have a baseline understanding or agreement of principles. Right? When we go back to the principles. Go back to the definition of nobility. Uh, what what are the baseline principles that we all agree upon, and th- and this goes to a quote uh, I read. It was it says man is pushed by drives, and I put parenthetical my parenthetical uh, desires, um, but pulled by values, and that's by Viktor Frankl uh, from the book entitled The Well, The Well to Meaning. So. Uh, I think that goes very very importantly and tangibly to this idea of shared aim and understanding what the our, what our founding principles are that we have agreed upon as a people, as an organization, as a city, as a state, as a country. Um, and so if you are flying by the seat of your pants, then you're going to be like, oh, I desire this, and all of that looks really good, and that looks really pretty, and, and I want to do that, and I want to do this. But... You don't have anything uh, putting a border or a foundation to it if you don't have values, if you don't have principles in place that help you to determine and that you've agreed to as people that you say that this is what true, this is our truth that we've identified. And one of the most important parts about the truth of Western culture is the fact that we identify our self, our individuality as being like a derivative of something greater than ourselves and and having innate value from the individual. Cause you have to think about that. That did not happen for a, for the saying the majority of human existence is an understatement. It has been the most recent fraction of human existence that we have outright stated that individuals have inherent value. And it's a value by the pure premise of being human, that you have this value. And so, that and that goes uh, to the founding, when you look at the, the Declaration of Independence and our Constitution and the way that it's written, that you you have to... Acknowledge that in order to fit in to what we have accepted to be true. Now, so what what are we doing today? What are we doing in this episode? It's it's about Martin Luther King Jr. What <laughs> obviously this had to do with, with people not being treated in a way that was living up to the standard that we wrote down <laughs> when we founded the country. And we could go into a huge history lesson about this, um, about the, the different drafts for the Declaration of Independence written by Jefferson um, and how, what was removed in it. And then we could talk about the, the rants about slavery that he went in, he went on and about how much he opposed it. And then we could talk about the, the dichotomy of him owning all these slaves <laughs> while, while writing this document that's that's it. That's the extent that you're going to get from me right now is uh, on that. I won't dive into a crazy history lesson. Um, but this this goes right into the, the second quote, the one that I had from my buddy that I worked with. And it was, um, all I say to America is be true to what you said on paper. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And that, I love it. I absolutely love it because it is, we wrote it down. All men were created equal. And then we're like, well, I mean, if you own property, and if you're white, and if you're over a certain age, and then you can be equal. Um, and if you're a man, if I didn't say that already. But yeah, so... Uh, <laughs> if you're those things, then you're born equal. But, but, that's not what they said. That's not what they wrote down. That is how they acted. And that is, think about that um, in your daily life. So how many things, and especially if you're a... Not especially if you're a parent, but if you're a parent, it's so... <laughs> Easy to see this because we do it all the time. We tell our kids to do one thing, and then we do something else. And it's it's a hilarious mental cognitive dissonance, uh, and and this this back and forth. It's this it's this dichotomy of what who we think we should be and who we are, and and how do we how do we strike that balance? How do we get to what is right? And the first way to get to what is right is by identifying and agreeing on what we think right is. And so, if we think that all people are created equal, let's write it down. And we did that, and that's great. And then we failed to live up to it. But it's like, it's like what our true belief system is. And to think that we, fall, that we wouldn't fall short is silly. Uh, it's like saying that anybody who's Christian would never sin. Um, and it's like, and so, so to think that we wouldn't fall short is, like I said, it's just, it's unrealistic. The way we fell short was unbelievably dramatic. Um, and so I love, I love that, I love that he said this, like, and I didn't know he said that until yesterday, and so I was so happy to learn that, and this can, this could go into... The idea of of shame, like a lot of people want to live in this in this world of uh, um, black black and white, right? So America America's history is is awful, it's terrible, um, and we were founded on the backs of slaves and were immoral people, and and the wealth begotten today is was was done so in an immoral fashion, and so there is no there is no getting out of that loop. Um, and then you have other people who th- think that America can do no wrong. America has done no wrong. All of the past misgivings were done in the in the sake of, of liberty, and and were great, and always have been great. And screw you, the rest of the world. Go America. Um, I, it's, it's, it would be better for me if I picked a side. It would be absolutely better if I said, America's great, and yeah, sure, we had our, we had some missteps, but we're amazing, we're great, go America, I love it. It would, you could put me into a box then, and you could, you could experience me, and you know what to expect, Um, but hopefully by this point, you know To expect more than that of me. You expect truth. You expect honesty and you expect something that's more well thought out than something so simply packaged as that. It's America and any other country in the world is just a group of people. People individually can be pretty smart can be pretty freaking smart we can also be pretty freaking stupid and there is something that happens with groupthink that is kind of crazy kind of phenomenal kind of a really weird human thing um I'm trying to recall the specific study. so there was there were studies that were done some social psychological studies that were done that talked about the the, where they demonstrated people's willingness or non-willingness to help somebody in uh, a position of need when and, and I mean by mean by need I mean uh like they were physically hurt, like screaming out in pain, asking for help um saying like so okay, one of them for sure was in a library, so they were they had they brought students in to participate in this study, and they told them they were there for something else to take to take a test or something, and they did like a bunch of variables um. Some people had, I think some people had met the, the person who would be screaming out for help, uh, potentially. But that was really, really, if I remember correctly, the biggest variable was um, that the amount of people that were around, right? So if there were, if it was just you in the library sitting at a table, and what happened is they, they pushed a bookshelf over... And they had this girl scream out, like, oh my gosh, ow, oh, my ankle, it hurts so much. And then she would say, I'm stuck, oh my gosh, I need help, help. And she would specifically be calling out for help. If you were by yourself, it was like some ridiculously high number of people, 80-some percent of people. Which is crazy to me that it wouldn't be 100%, but it's rare that you get a hundred percent on anything. So the high overwhelming majority of people would go rush over within moments of it happening to help when by themselves, when they were in a group, they had placed the, the people setting up the experiment had placed plants there specifically where like they were, if not the majority of the people surrounding the person who was there for the study, um, they, they may have been 100% of the people that were there. And nobody got up uh, to help when the bookcase was pushed over and the person was screaming out specifically asking for help. Uh, and, and so when that happened, the percentage dropped dramatically, like to 30%, less than 30% of people went and helped. So it went from, like, over 80 to less than 30 by the presence of other people. With other people around, we actually can potentially get less moral, and it has to do with, like, thinking that other people are going to do the right thing or, like, um, going far back to uh, surviving as a group. And so it, because we moved together as a group and we survived as a group, if you're doing what the group does, you're more likely to survive. And so if you're not do if you're doing something different, you're veering, you're 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 uh, different color, a different shade of energy than these people. Uh, then you you have more of a chance of being taken out uh, of not surviving because you're not with the group. Um, and so uh, there's there's this weird. So like when you look at individual countries in the past, you're looking at these groups of people making terrible decisions together. Historically, through all of mankind, we have we have made awful decisions in the way that we treat other human beings. <laughs> so, uh, and America is not immune to that. And there, there are aspects of American history that are absolutely phenomenal and amazing and foundationally changed the way that we perceive each other in the world and the way that the world can work. Um, and there are other aspects very, very large not to be trivialized aspects that are bad that are bad and the two big ones that imme- three big ones that immediately pop into my head are the genocide around the the native americans um slavery uh of the african-american people and the uh the the i want to say intern intern camps not intern camps uh the the the, the when we took the Asian or the Japanese Americans and we took them into concentration camps, essentially, uh, here because they looked like and were from the same place as the people that we were fighting in World War II. So, all of those things are atrocities and absolutely terrible. And there is no but. There is no but. We did really good after that. Like, yes, and that. We did those things. And there's there's no there's no taking it back. And I'm I'm going to I plan on doing like a whole series of episodes about reconciliation and what's required um, psychologically and, and emotionally in order for true reconciliation to happen. Um, but yeah, that's that's not the purpose of this. The purpose of this is to say that it's a sordid history and it's, there's a lot of bad there. And Martin Luther King Jr. just simply wanted, and this is actually goes into the stuff about reconciliation, and I, I will just say this, that the one part of it, uh, reconciliation research that I did that really stuck out to me was that the person who has been wronged has to be willing to accept forgiveness from the person who wronged them in a way that is not up, that does not meet the threshold of the wrongdoing, right? So you have to, there's a certain part that you just accept that like that's it's not going to be good enough. And if you can't do that, then there will not be reconciliation. Um, and so it, to me, that's what he's saying. He's like, listen, I'm not saying that you you did you're gonna make this right. I'm not saying like I'm just saying that you wrote it down. Like, we as a people agreed to the truth here, and you need to live up to that. So uh, I, I just, I love that. I, so I read it and I instantly fell in love because I'm a big fan of studying American history and seeing that quote and his reference back to just the baseline truism of what what it means to be in America is I just, it just, it, it fired me up. It got me really, really excited and it made me very happy. Um, and it's just, that's I, I I hope that you can take that and and hopefully start your own growth um, you know in your own life from this, and that you know if if you if you accept if you're if you're looking for ways to be courageous look for the things that we've agreed to as as a people and where we're failing because we do it all the time and it's don't look i mean like operate within the the areas that you're comfortable in operating and and exceed and do well in those things and continue to expand and grow like uh, uh push your comfort circle out further so that way you can do more things with greater ease in um, doing so, that it takes courage to get to the point where courage is no longer required. Um, so do this. So do that. Do all the different flavors of courage. And, and this doesn't have to be radical, overnight stuff. Again, I, when I talk about this all the time, it's it's as simple as what decision can you make today that inspires bravery that, that requires bravery from you. Um, is it calling uh, a sibling that you have um, a less than happy last interaction with? Is it is it volunteering for a project at work? Is it reaching out to uh, someone that you've never you've never talked to before um, and by cold calling somebody for your business? Is it you know, whatever it is for you? Like identify the things that you naturally avoid. And and spend some time thinking about it. Start there. You don't even have to take the brave step. Identify where you're not as brave as you could be, and then start taking steps to be brave. That was that was all Martin Luther King Jr. was saying from these two quotes. Obviously, there's a lot more. There's so much context to him, and I don't want to like wrap him up and embody him in just these two quotes. But from this, like the energy what he's saying is that like you're not like do what you said. Do what you said you were going to do. We wrote it down. We agree. We all agree it's true, right? We all agree it's true. So let's do that. And it's not going to be easy or comfortable. But this shows the type of man that you are. Are we the type of men that are going to come together now and and step over our past selves and leave that childish coward behind and live up to our word? So be confident enough and brave enough to to put your word down on something and then to live up to it and you're gonna fail and that's okay but then own it identify the failure and be better and that's that's what you can do thank you so much guys i'm so happy that we're here and we're doing this thing this is an awesome awesome episode i appreciate you guys coming back and listening and i will see you here again tomorrow for that's what you get wednesdays